not just the bottom two thirds. If you'd like to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, thank you for having us. Uh, you are the first church we've actually visited and shown this presentation, so I may have to have a look at what's going on there. But uh, thank you for your patience, and I'm sure you got the main gist of what we were trying to share with you there. So we're very excited what the Lord's uh, done in our lives over the last several years and slowly bringing us to the point and then the last year uh, showing us that now is the time to, to start taking action on His call for us. I'd like to uh, bring a message to you this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 entitled, We Are Ambassadors. Ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful truth we're about to look at this morning. I pray that you'd be honored in our lives as we uh, seek to not just read your word and uh, sit through a sermon, but Lord, may we take it to our own lives and personally apply it. I pray you bless your word to the hearers in Christ's name. Amen. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. I'd like to, but this is a, that word now then points us back to, we've, this is a kind of a culmination verse for the whole chapter. So I'd like to just briefly run through a few verses prior before we really focus in on that verse. If you want to look back at verse 10 with me. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And I'll stop there. The judgment seat of Christ is the beginning of this, this uh, the culmination is verse 20. I think the beginning of this thought starts in verse 10 about the judgment seat of Christ. And I wonder if sometimes we have become too familiar or careless with our relationship with the Lord. Yes, I'm a child of the King. I can be a friend of God. I can go to Him anytime, day or night. These are wonderful, beautiful truths. He is my comforter. All these things wonderfully true. But do we have the fear of the Lord these days? Sometimes it's not something that is, is taught as much as it used to be. Uh, back in back at, at the old days, even hundreds of years ago, they, they focused a lot on the fear of the Lord, sometimes the exclusion of other things. But the fear of the Lord is definitely a, a core truth that we have to remember as we approach Him. Sometimes I think we need to be reminded like Moses to take off thy shoes for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. You don't just walk into God's presence and say, hey, how you doing, God? Holy ground ground. Sometimes we need to remember that the prophets and the apostles, they fell to the ground in awe of God. The apostle John in the first chapter of Revelation, here he came to the glorified Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ's glorified body, and he fell down. I think of Daniel uh, back in the Old Testament. when he was, he was just talking to an angel, not to God himself, and he fell down and he had no strength left in him for someone who had been an angel, who had been in the presence of God, who had a message for him. And sometimes I wonder if we need to be reminded that I and you yourself, we have to take this message personally, I'm going to face my God one day, yes, as my Savior, yes, as my friend, but also as my judge. Not for salvation, I'm not, not going to question our salvation, this assurance of salvation is a wonderful doctrine, but to face my a judge, if I'm a Christian, I will face Him, Christ as a judge of how I lived my life, whether the things I've done in my body, whether it be good or bad, that word bad is useless, worthless. 
And sadly, in this, this day and age, and, and all, I'm sure all ages, but especially in this day and age, there's so much useless and frivolous things that we can find our culture and ourselves are, um, are tied up in. One day I'm going to face Jesus Christ as my judge. Therefore, knowing the terror of the Lord. So this is where we come, the beginning of this thought here. We need to remind ourselves of the fear of the Lord, the terror. Not not that I'm afraid of Him, that He's going to hurt me, but the awesome respect that I should have for such an awesome, awesome God. And this is the starting point of this thought. I need to have a terror of the Lord, a fear of the Lord, a, a respect and an awe and a reverence for my God. As we go on in verse 11, we, there, that's why I, we persuade men. This is why we have, we have, yes, the Great Commission, but what's the motive behind the Great Commission? I have a wonderful God that I'm going to stand before God and I'm in awe of Him and I don't want to disappoint Him. I don't want Him to be displeased with me. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, verse 11, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because that we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again." Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of recon- reconciliation. And this is where we come to. Now then, now then, because of all these things, the motivation of the fear of the Lord, the motivation of the love of Christ, that we're not just doing this out of rigid duty, or I'm going to get a smack on the hand if I don't go out so many hours a day, like some religions do. Uh, th- that's not the motivation here. And he even has to defend his character a little bit. The people attacked Paul's apostleship in, in the books of Corinth. And he said, look... I hope it's manifest what, our, what my motives are, but even if it's not, I'm, it's clear to God what my motives are. So he has to defend himself a little bit there and go through some wonderful truths of when we get saved, we become a new creature. All, I'm just touching briefly on some of these wonderful, marvelous truths, but this is what leads us because we have been reconciled, which is, means made one, two warring parties, two people who are at odds, arguing, you could say, We have been reconciled. Once we were fighting God, now we can be at peace with God. Because that has happened, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, offering us, not imputing their trespasses unto them, offering us a free pardon, which is the wonderful gospel, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I don't know about you, but last I checked, I haven't caught Jesus door knocking recently. Jesus Christ doesn't text people and say, would you like to come to church? Uh, most of the time, Jesus Christ, you know, we don't have visions these days. We don't have uh, times where we meet Jesus Christ in the flesh. That just doesn't happen these days. God has committed unto us, those who have already been reconciled, He's turned around and given us the message, committed unto us, the word of reconciliation, to bring other people 
to be at one, at peace with God. That brings us then to verse 20. He puts it in a different light. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled unto God. Just a few quick points this morning. Firstly, an ambassador must have credentials. An ambassador must have credentials. Now this is important. When you think of an ambassador in the, in the physical world that we live in today, uh, this per, an imposter could ruin relationships between nations. If someone said, oh, I represent Australia, and I'm going to bomb you next week. Like, whoa, 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 <laughs> who are you? What, uh, do you have credentials? They could start a war. They could, they could uh, start trade wars. They could do all kinds of things. So it's customary when a new ambassador comes in, sometimes a change of government or someone retires, whatever it is, a new ambassador comes in, they present themselves with their credentials, with the letter of authority, with showing who they are and proving that they are an ambassador for the country that they are representing. What are our credentials? Turn with me to Matthew 28. We have our letter, as it were, Matthew 28, giving us the authority and a message. Matthew 28, verse 19 Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go ye therefore. These are our marching orders. To go into all the world. And uh, the Lord has called us to go to Ipswich. And that is our mission field. This is where God has called us to go. Uh, for you, God has called you here. This is your place of service. But the Lord says, Jesus Christ said his disciples and to this infant church, and who, this is who we are today, the message extends to us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. It means to disciple. So you, you go out with the gospel message. People are saved, Lord willing. And then you, you teach them. You disciple them. Teaching and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. We have the wonderful truth. As Christians, these are our credentials. When someone says, well, who said you can go into wherever, you want, wherever you're going? Jesus Christ said, go. I have uh, the instructions of my Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And there's an authority here. Uh, sometimes, uh, in different times of persecutions, I've read of, of different people who are under persecution and, and the, their authorities will say to them, who said you can preach? And even the disciples uh, had the same thing said, by what authority do you preach this word? Who said you could preach this? And they came back to, these, this, this, to this, this central truth that Jesus Christ sent us. We have a message from God. This is not me, Samuel Harris, going to Ipswich and telling people my opinions on different things. If that was all it was, it would be a waste of my time and, 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 and anyone's time who is interested. But I have a message to go into all the world and preach the gospel, teaching all nations, baptizing, planting churches. And this is God's will for His church. This is God's, uh, these marching orders, these are our general credentials. Uh, when we, and if someone were to say, well, who said you can, you can preach the gospel here? Well, the Lord said, go into all the world, and that is means all the world. And another sense, another credential we, you could say we have is people 
should, there should, we should have a consistent testimony. People should look at our lives and be able to say, oh, you look like an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Are we different? Sometimes when someone goes to, an ambassador goes to a country from another country, in, in essence, they will be different to some degree because every country has its own culture. Every, every country is different. And we're going, uh, the question is though, do we, do we act different as ambassadors for Christ? Or do we try to blend in? Do we act like Christians? Or are we just like any other worldling? If someone's known you for a while, they will most likely replay the, their memory conversations with you when you tell them you're a Christian for the first time. Like, oh, are, they, are these genuine Christians or is this just a fake? Someone will, uh, they might think back on what you've said, what you've done. Um, I think I work currently, I have a, have a full-time job and, and a small team environment and um, I started there two years ago and they were convinced that they were going to get me to start swearing. When I, when I, didn't, I wasn't swearing, they're like, oh, you don't swear. I say, you know, I'm a Christian, I, I don't swear, I don't take God's name in vain. And they're like, oh, yeah, it won't take long, you'll be swearing soon. And um, thank the Lord I haven't caved in yet. And uh, we, there's a new, a new staff member came in about six months ago and she's like, oh, you don't swear. And everyone else piped up and said, no, no, we've given up on him. He's not going to swear. He's a Christian, so it's just the way it's going to be. And um, that, that's a, not to, to blow my own horn or anything, but that, that is what, exactly what we're supposed to be. A Christian who doesn't change to fit in with other people. Even if there's, everyone else swears. It might even come to your mind because you hear it every day. You might, something might pop into your mind and you have to shut it down before it comes out of your mouth. But you have to be consistent as a Christian. Because if I start swearing, my testimony is rubbish. It's gone. They changed me. I'm no longer able, I won't be, wouldn't be able to witness to them anymore. And that's just an example that comes to mind. Are you a good example? Are you, do you act like a Christian? Do you know what a Christian means? You, you, you may know this already, but a Christian just means a little Christ. And uh, back, uh, back when the, the name was first originated, it was used like a bit of a, oh, he's just a little Christ, uh, almost like an, a derisive kind of word. But that's what we're supposed to be, and we wear it proudly. Yes, I want to be a little Christ. I'm, not, I'm never going to be perfect. I'm never going to be like Christ himself, but I'm, going to, I'm never going to be Christ himself, but I want to be like him. I want to grow into his image, and I want to, when people look at me, I want them to see a good representative of Jesus Christ. How would you stand up to a test if someone found out that you were a Christian? Would you be an ambassador that the Lord would be ashamed of? There have been many ambassadors over history uh, that have had to be recalled over scandals uh, and different things like that. And I hope that that would never be the case for us as Christians. Are you frivolous? Are you, are you joking and jesting all the time? Like Lot's son-in-laws didn't take Lot seriously because he'd blended into their culture and he'd just made fun of everything, even spiritual things. And so then he comes with an urgent message from God and they think he's just putting on a show. Are you kind? Are you helpful? Are you neighborly? Are you not uh, jumping in on the bickering at work and the backbiting and all these things? And I know each one is different, uh, different in circumstances and all that, but where I am, there's a lot of, you know, trash talking they call it behind, behind the scenes oh that person's no good and this person's no good and then you turn around and you hear they say something about you if, if they're not quiet enough and uh, there's a lot of that and we need to be careful not to, to jump in on, on that whole, uh, that whole uh, environment as it were but perhaps it's at school are you consistent for Christ 
Do you pray over your meals? Do you not join in looking at those things that they want to show you? Or listening to the things that everyone else is listening to? Or going to those places everyone else is going to? Whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's among family, whether it's uh, wherever you may be. Are you a consistent Christian? Are you a good ambassador for Jesus Christ? Or would God be embarrassed to say, yes, that's my, that's my child or that's my ambassador? I remember when I was about 15, I was handing out tracts on a street corner. And um, we, I was just handing out saying whatever, I forget what the occasion was. Might have, uh, what, there was something going on, but I was just being polite and handing them out with a smile on my face. And someone comes along with the most sour expression on their face. And she looked at me and said, we don't need that. We're Christians. <laughs> just like, well, please don't tell anybody else <laughs> because that is not a good testimony. Don't, don't, she had the, the most sour, sour face I'd ever seen in my life. And you should be joyful to be a Christian. And if you're not right with God, may I recommend don't tell people you're a Christian because you're going to put the name of God through the mud. And that, that encounter stuck with me as for a long time uh, because that person was projecting an image of Christ that was sour. So they were not joyful to have Christ in their lives, if they were even saved. I, I didn't talk to her. I don't know if she really was saved, but she certainly wasn't acting like it. And if I wasn't saved, I wouldn't want the Christ that she had. And so we need to be the exact opposite of that, to be the type of person who we can say we have credentials, we can say we have marching orders, but we need to live a life that backs that up. Another credential, I suppose you could say, would be your knowledge of your message. Is on said, so what country are you from? Oh, I'm from Australia. Oh, what is Australia's policy on this? Uh, um, uh, 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 I don't know. Well, oh, are you really an ambassador who knows what you're doing? And of course, for us, uh, our message is found in this book. And I'd ask you, how well do you know your message? If we are ambassadors for Christ, it wasn't just Paul and, and Timothy and a few elect people. We're all supposed to be ambassadors for Christ. How well do you know your book? How well do you know the message that we are supposed to be giving to people? When problems arise, uh, when people say, well, what's the answer to this? And we don't know. Uh, I would say the vast, vast majority of the times, the, the problem is not that there isn't an answer in the Bible. The problem is we haven't found the answer yet. And there are very few things that you know, the Bible may not say anything about. We can apply general principles to, or maybe it's just not really a biblical question in general. But... The vast majority of times, we need to, if we just know our book, if we study this book, we will know our message. If we're going to be a good ambassador for Christ, we need to know our message. We need to know what God wants us to tell them. And we just looked at that in Matthew, uh, Matthew 28. We're supposed to go with the gospel and then teach them all things. God hasn't just got a dot point of three things we have to memorize. He wants us to know all of these things in general. And we'll always have to be studying. We'll always be learning and growing in the truth. But how well do you know? How, how well do you know your message? How well do you know your Bible? Would, if you had to have a test on general biblical knowledge, how would you go? If I gave out a, a surprise test this morning, I won't do that today. I uh, might, not, might not be a very popular preacher after that, but uh, I'm not going to grade anyone here, but only you can answer this before the Lord. How well do you know your message and your Bible? 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. means set aside uh, and to, to give effort to. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to know the answer. Be ready to give answers with the right attitude of meekness and fear. So as an ambassador, these are our credentials. The, our marching orders in Matthew 28. Uh, the testimony that we have or that we should have before the Lord. 
and before the people around us. And then knowing our message, that's a credential in itself, to know exactly what you're talking about. Our second point this morning is our ambassador. An ambassador has a purpose. So ambassador has to have credentials. And secondly, ambassador must have a purpose. The Greek word comes from a word meaning a senior representative. We haven't really, well, what is an ambassador? Someone who represents. The English word comes from a Latin word meaning servant. So a public servant, someone who serves another nation. On behalf of us, we have ambassadors to other places. So a main purpose of an ambassador is to represent their head of state to another country. Ambassador, the dictionary defines it as ambassadors are diplomats of the highest rank, formally representing the head of state uh, with plenipotentiary powers, in other words, full authority to represent a government. So we have, this, I've looked up a couple at the moment. So our, at the moment, our ambassador to the United States is Kevin Rudd. Our ambassador to Israel is Ralph King. Uh, the high commissioner to the UK is Stephen Smith. These are men that, we, that the government has chosen to d- communicate directly on our behalf to these foreign powers. Now, if the purpose of an ambassador is meant to, repre- is me- meant to represent, what is he representing? Is he representing his own opinions? Uh, is, is Kevin Rudd supposed to go over there and, and talk about his, his opinions on, on sport and opinions on this and opinions on that? No, not his own opinions. He's to be in constant communication back to the Prime Minister and to the people who sent him and those who make the decisions, and he is to represent their, their thoughts. And this is important. Sometimes people just go out and they don't, uh, even Christians can go out and they don't have the Word of God behind them, and they can cause more damage than good. They may be well-intentioned. Uh, they, may be, uh, they may have uh, only the best heart behind it. But if they don't actually know what God wants them to say, they can open their big mouths and stick their foot in it and sadly drive people away from God instead of toward Him. I've heard different stories. Uh, one, one story that comes to mind is um, a, a, a lady in our church. She had a sister who was unsaved and she wouldn't, let, uh, she wouldn't even consider the gospel because her neighbor next door had such a bad testimony. And not, they would say all the right things, but they weren't, the, the, the things they heard, that she heard over the fence, the yelling and the screaming and the awful things that were being said. This pers- uh, these, these people who they were, apparently were ministers or something along those lines, and they were, not rep- they were representing in a very poor, very bad way. And we need to make sure we don't get in the way of who we represent. And uh, these people did not live the lives and car- carry the message practically that they needed to. Who do we represent? We represent the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe, the one who knows all, the one who is timeless. He is majestic. He is our Creator. He is our Savior, the one who sent His Son to die for us. He loves me. He loves you. And that leads us to our, our, our third point. Our, an ambassador has a message. We've looked a little bit at this already, uh, but we're going to focus in on it again. An ambassador has one job to do, to represent the one who sent him. And we have such a wonderful Lord to represent. Uh, when I think of all the, the false gods and the false religions out there, man-made religions, they all have Achilles' heels because they were made by a man. And they either have lust is, is an Achilles heel, or they'll have uh, some other type of vice that, well, they might look good on the surface, but when you really dig down and dial down, it's just a man-made religion 
just to, to suit a man. We have a wonderful Lord and we have a wonderful message from Him. And if we are going to be good ambassadors, we need to know that message. And our message is here in our text. If you want to turn back to me to 2 Corinthians 5, if you're not there already. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It's a beautiful verse. Let's dig down into a little bit more. Now then, because we're reconciled to God, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Sent ones, representatives for Jesus Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Like I said at the beginning, uh, I don't know if you've caught Jesus Christ door knocking in your area. I don't know if you've, if you've seen him handing out tracts. I don't know if you've, you've seen him sending a text or trying to reach out to someone personally. He is, of course, he is involved in all these things, but he is not physically doing them. We are the ambassadors for Christ. Just like our prime minister cannot be to the, the hundreds of countries out there. He can't personally go to all of those things. He sends ambassadors. While Jesus Christ, of course, could theoretically do all those things, he is entrusted to us the position and the privilege of being his ambassadors. It is our job to go. It is our job to disciple. It is our job to reach out to people on behalf of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. And I think this helps us Sometimes we can get stuck in a rut of, oh, this is just what I always do. Uh, perhaps if, you, if you're, I hope you're, you're faithful to outreach ministries and this, oh, we just do it every week or every other week or whatever, whatever your setup is. And we have to remind ourselves, we, I'm doing this on behalf of God. We beseech you in Christ's stead, in God's stead, be ye reconciled to God, as though God did beseech you by us. That word beseech is a strong word. It means to get down on your knees and to beg, please listen. And God has that job for us. He wants to strongly reach out, just as passionately as if Jesus Christ came to your church to reach out to people in your area. Do you think he'd just ho-hum and, oh, well, if you're interested, that'd be great. We'll chat sometime. No, he, he died for you. He died for these souls around us. And he wouldn't just be a casual about it. He wouldn't just be ticking it off his list. Oh, I've got to spend an hour on a Saturday. Oh, five more minutes, four and a half more minutes. Three hours, three minutes and 45 seconds, not counting down the time. But as, do, we, do we beseech people as if God was here with us? In God's stead. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Think of the lengths Christ went to to reconcile us to God. He gave his life. He came to this earth, this filthy, disgusting world, from heaven's perfection and glory. It'd be like a bride getting in a perf- a radiant beauty, a perfectly white dress, jumping into the pigsty. That probably isn't even, probably into a sewerage pit would be more like it. Coming from heaven's perfection and glory and the holiness of God, all of a sudden being submerged in the filth of this world. And he did that for us and he lived on this, in, on this earth for over 30 years. He ministered. He gave of himself again and again and again, and he culminated by giving his life. Do we have that same passion as ambassadors for Christ? Or do we just say, oh, here's a tract, and hope you read it and get back to me? Do we have the same passion and love as if Christ was our witnessing partner, as if we were going out on behalf of him? 
be ye reconciled to God. That's our message. To tell people, unfortunately, you are a sinner. And if anyone here is not saved today, I've been preaching mainly to, uh, to Christians. Christians are supposed to be ambassadors. This is the message we want to give you. That yes, unfortunately, we are all sinners. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's glory, God's standard is perfection. And none of us, I haven't reached that. Pastor Manny hasn't reached that. No one has reached, especially not Pastor Hus- uh, Brother Hustler. He hasn't reached that. I know that for a fact. But all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we have to understand that I need to be reconciled to God. I need to turn from the direction I'm going and be reconciled. Because we're running away from God. We're fighting God. We're born with a sin nature that loves to sin and hates to, to do what God wants us to do. We have to turn and come to God and ask Him for forgiveness. It's a wonderful truth. As, like we said in Christ's dead, Christ came and died for our sins. Thankfully, we don't have to go and die so someone else can be saved. Uh, he didn't ask that of us. Most people don't have to do that. There's been mart- many martyrs over the years, uh, but that's not a standard request that God gives to every Christian. Thank the Lord. But we, my message to you, if you're not saved, is you can be at peace with God. You can have that sin debt forgiven. Jesus paid it all, is a song we sometimes sing. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. And if you come in simple faith, I was only five years old when I was saved. I, I knew the message, the, the basic message that Jesus Christ loved me and died for my sins. And I knew that I couldn't get myself to heaven because I was a little rotten sinner. I knew at that age. And uh, don't ask my wife, I might still be a bit of a rotten sinner every once in a while. But the simple truth was, I was and am a sinner, but Jesus Christ saved me when I simply asked Him to. The simple faith of a child. And it's not a complicated thing. I've talked to many people and I've uh, complicated. So how can it be that simple? Or, well, I don't really understand that, type, what, what, that, that, that concept that seems too simple. Or I don't understand that type of love. Well, thank the Lord. that we don't, Even if it seems simple, the wonderful truth is that it is. Just before we finish, I'd like to look at the quick thought that not everyone is going to receive our message. Uh, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. It's our last passage before we close this morning. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. There have been different times uh, throughout history where ambassadors have been a little bit of hot water. Uh, because a war started or there's been some assassination or something, and all of a sudden, they're in the firing line. And I uh, think of uh, when King Rehoboam went up and he, he decided he was going to collect taxes, even when children of Israel said, you're not our king anymore. And uh, his tax collector, he unfortunately uh, was uh, killed, basically. <laughs> how, how else do you say it? But uh, he was stoned to death. And Rehoboam said, oh, they actually are serious about this. I'm going to run my, hop in my chariot and get out of here. There are times when ambassadors are not taken very kindly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And this is Paul speaking, a personal prayer request. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in a luxury hotel. No. Which I'm a popular Everybody loves me. No, that's not what it says. He was an ambassador in bonds. meant he had chains on his wrists, on his feet. He couldn't just go out wherever he wanted to. He was an ambassador who was, who was literally chained. Many times they were literally chained to another soldier. 
and that he was uh, unable to go out and about and share the gospel. He was praying, I'm still an ambassador. I'm an ambassador in a prison now. So please pray for opportunities for me to have utterance, to have opportunities even in a prison cell to witness to the person who's chained next to me or to witness the people who come to visit or the, the prisoners around me when they transport me here or there. So being an ambassador is a privilege. It's a, a well-paid position these days. Uh, it's something that people try to get in position to, uh, to kind of curry some favor. I don't know, send a, a bottle of wine or something to make someone notice you. Or, uh, people want to be ambassadors these days. Um, and we have the privilege of being ambassadors as well. But it's not always going to be received kindly. There will be times when you'll be cut off from friend groups, cut off from your family. People may try to do you dirty in a workplace because you won't toe the line and, and go along with everyone else's deceit or whatever it may be. We may not always be received kindly, but the message never change, changes. The authority to preach the word never changes. Our responsibility to be a, a consistent ambassador for Christ never changes. We'll close with a question. Are you a good representative of Jesus Christ? Are you a good ambassador? Do you take your position as an ambassador for Christ seriously? We started out looking at uh, the judgment seat of Christ. One day you and I will stand before God. And ambassadors don't just go over and live a luxurious life and not have any accountability. We have accountability today to our, uh, the one who sent us as well. And when God looks at me, I want him to be able to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You gave my message out. You witnessed where you could. You were a consistent testimony. You went to Ipswich and you fulfilled my will. And I pray that we will by God's grace. That's where God has sent me and my family to be ambassadors to the people of Ipswich. And wherever God puts us, whether it's here or whether it's across the sea somewhere or whether it's somewhere else like Ipswich here in Australia, we all have the responsibility to serve and represent Jesus Christ to the best of our ability. And I guess that's my challenge this morning as we look at the concept of being an ambassador, as we, uh, the, your bulletin on the front, as I said, serve Him. There's many different ways that we can elaborate on this. This is just one concept. Uh, Paul calls himself uh, a slave of Jesus Christ. He calls him, himself many other things, and we can a uh, friend and all these, uh, many other ways. We can look at the ways we can serve Him. But this is one way I thought was, was a good way to think about our privilege to witness for Christ, to be an ambassador. And I close with this quote, You may be the only Jesus some people will ever see. You may be the only link to Jesus Christ that, that, one, that a certain person may ever know. Pastor Manny doesn't know all the people you know. Uh, there's no, I'm not, probably not going to bump into any of your friends or your family here in Melbourne. I live too far away, especially when I move to Ipswich. I'm certainly not going to be bumping into anyone down here. I'm not going to be able to witness. Pastor Manny's not going to be able to witness. Any other, you are responsible for the people in your friend group, your family, the people you come in contact. And you may be the only window that people see Jesus through in their whole lives. And sometimes you only get one chance. I'd just like to encourage us and challenge us with this thought of being a good ambassador of Jesus Christ. Uh, pass over to Pastor Manny and close in prayer.